0: Every 10 years, the United States Census provides states with new information about population and demographic trends that results in the reapportionment of Congress's 435 seats in the House. Some states lose seats, some gain. It always factors into control of Congress. And those states take sometimes wildly different approaches to resetting their maps. The stakes are high. Michael McInerney covers the census, demographics, redistricting, and more for CQ Roll Call, and he's here in Political Theater to discuss where we are in the redistricting process, what's been settled, what hasn't, and where we are heading into the 2022 congressional midterm election. Mike, welcome to Political Theater.
1: Hi, Jason. Thank you for having me.
0: This is great. I mean, I... um, This is one of those issues that I seriously geek out on. I love talking (laughs) about (laughs) um, redistricting. I I find it fascinating. It it always there's always some weird side story to the to the census and to the redistricting process. Uh, It has long term effects, you know, for control of Congress. Uh, But let's let's talk about. you know the the real like the 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 side story for this census became the big story uh right right as you started covering it which was the pandemic uh let let's uh let's see how let's let's talk about how the the pandemic uh which started in 2020 uh really like threw everything off for the census
1: uh yeah it really did uh in the beginning of March, 2020, was when the Census Bureau really wanted to start kicking things off. They were sending out the questionnaires, which were a big issue. Uh, they were sending people out to like drop off forms in rural places where they don't really have mail service. All of that, and then the pandemic hit, and everything locked down. And that meant that they had to scramble this plan that they had spent the entire decade working on at the last minute, um, and then you know, spend the next couple of months trying to figure out the best way to count everybody. And that also meant just sort of delaying everything for several months. Um, And then they got into the middle of hurricane season and wildfire season and all of this stuff around the country that just meant it was more difficult than anybody had counted on and more difficult than they really had time for. Um, So that meant that instead of finishing up in the summer in like july august they were finishing up in october uh which bumped everything back um and it meant that instead of getting apportionment results in december january we were getting it in april we didn't get the redistricting data until after that and it just put everybody's calendar back and then it turned redistricting into this whole scrum of last minute map drawing last minute litigation everybody trying to do things quickly and where where we are right now where you know the first primaries have happened the first the next couple of primaries are coming up and a whole lot of states don't even have maps yet yeah and
0: and you know just on a you know on a personal sort of political career level if you're a member of congress and, you know, sort of all things considered, you're you're just like trying to plan for whether you're going to run again, retire, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, you may not even know if like, you know, if, if you're in a state like New York, say, or Illinois uh, or California, which lost seats. Um, or West Virginia. I mean, th- you you may not even know until the last minute, uh, you know, whether or not the, the there will be the same number of seats. And then on the other side of the equation, you got states like you know Texas, which gain seats, and and you know, like you've got this sort of young, ambitious, you know, kind of cadre of, of political professionals who are waiting to see, you know, if they can jump in. Everybody's decision making was put off at the personal level, as well as the broader, you know, sort of state apparatus level. It's, it was really kind of crazy.
1: Yeah. I mean, there, there were a whole lot of states. I, I mean, for instance, Rhode Island has been on the cusp of losing its second congressional seat for a long time. And they didn't know until, you know, the end of April, whether or not there was going to be two seats in the state.
0: And and you know we we we're in this weird situation too, where we didn't know whether New York or Minnesota was going to lose a seat, and it came down mm-hmm. to what what was it like eighty vote, eighty people or something like that? Yeah, yeah eighty seven
1: people, which is wild because uh, historically the the margin has been you know thousands or tens of thousands, eighty seven people this time around. Yeah,
0: and and again you know some of this some of the census some of the reapportionment was thrown off, as you said, like you know the census was late. Um, you know, we our, our mortality rates, you know, were were affected obviously by the pandemic. People were, you know, dying uh, in in ways that they hadn't. We hadn't seen that sort of like that sort of mortality, uh, and that that's affecting the count. It just mm-hmm. it threw everything off. Uh, and 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 again, redistricting is always this crazy situation where states are trying to maximize their advantages particularly in congress this means money for them this means you know a lot and and j- to start it off all late um, going into a midterm election where control for uh, both houses of congress is in is at stake i mean it doesn't matter with the senate you know the senate will still have the same number of senators but the house mm-hmm. i mean it's just this frenzy so i think maybe we start with like the biggest four states. I mean no no offense to uh, the Rhode Islands and the <laughs> and, and the West Virginias uh, where Rhode you know Rhode Island as you said they sort of held serve they're going to keep their second seat West Virginia lost one of theirs they're going to go from 3 to 2. But let's talk about the four, you know, sort of big states, California, Texas, New York, Illinois and Florida. Let's talk about those five because that that makes up such a big bulk of things. And you know, we have wildly divergent, uh, results, uh, with, with redistricting going on in, in those five mega states.
1: Yeah. I, and the thing that kind of stands out a little bit, uh, about those five is California kind of there in redistricting, there's always going to be, okay, this person's district got a little bit more this or that, but California is not only the largest state in the country, but it's the largest state in the country with a commission,
0: an independent commission where yeah, they independent really not yeah, not dominated by Democrats or Republicans, where it's sort yeah. of, yeah.
1: Yeah, and California lost a seat, and in the 50-some seats, it's, it's not necessarily easy to say cleanly what one party got over another, but it looks like maybe they're going to lose a Democratic seat, but Florida is its own kettle of fish that is a whole separate discussion but texas illinois and new york all have partisan control of redistricting and they really tried to maximize that right with this redistricting and i think the main thing that happened between all of those is the decline of the competitive seat you know in new york they consolidated a lot of the upstate districts to be very heavily republican leaning but also minimize the number of republican seats overall Texas, they added a couple of seats and then they took like all of the suburban seats in Dallas, Fort Worth area, things like that. And they made them either very strongly Democratic or very strongly Republican. And then Illinois sort of carved up Cook County area and downstate um, to, you know, pit a couple of Republicans against each other and make as many there was some back and forth about whether or not they maximized themselves or drew what people call a dummy mander, that they're going to get wiped out when there's a swing election <laughs> in a couple of the competitive seats sort of around Chicagoland. But, yeah, generally, the partisans in power in Illinois, New York and, and Texas really tried to maximize their ability to gain seats or at least hold on to the ones they have for the rest of the decade.
0: And before we talk about Florida, I mean, one of the things that is sort of stuck out to a lot of people who cover redistricting and particularly people who cover it in the context of campaigns is that You know, Democrats really did not have a very good cycle uh, in in 2010. You know, they there was a wave election aided by redistricting that was heavily heavily favored towards Republicans. Republicans got a lot of state houses in 2010, uh, and and were able to control the process, and they those translated into to pretty big gains that they were able to lock in for for a few years in congress and this time it seemed like the democrats were ready for this and and just sort of unapologetic about wielding the the power toward that they had in in particularly in illinois and in new york so but even with all of that it it seems like we're almost at kind of like a wash you know our uh Dave Washerman at the at the Cook uh, Political Report is, you know, been covering this stuff for a long, long time. And he says, that, you know, this probably is a uh, slightly uh, advantages the Democrats at this point, maybe a one to two seat gain. Uh, but that's a lot different than like disadvantaging them by like 10 or 20 seats as it was 10 years ago.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a combination of a number of things from the people I've talked to. One is, you know, the idea of the big sort of, you know, people are living more in areas with other people that they agree with politically. Um, And then another part of it is election data is getting really good. Uh, and people are getting really good at parsing the numbers and figuring out exactly, you know, what precinct to put where to get the electoral result that they want. Um, and part of that is because people are voting one party more consistently. And it's it's really been something to watch that almost every state that comes out with a new map, when it's not drawn by a commission, there's basically no competitive seats or toss-ups. They are drawing it to be d plus 10 r plus 10 you know more so than than last cycle um and it's been interesting to watch from the outside it's been frustrating i think for the people who are in the minority in each of those states to watch a a map come out that might be you know it's a 55 45 state or a 52 48 state and the map is you know 10 6 or something like that but yeah people are getting really good at drawing these maps that are really robust at holding a partisan advantage for the whole decade
0: Let's talk about Florida now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> How many political discussions come with that caveat?
0: <laughs> well, I mean, you, you mentioned, you know, this is a, the, the, the whole fifty two forty eight you know, sort of thing. I mean, Florida has typically is, is a Republican-leaning state, but not by much, right? I mean, like mm-hmm. Republicans seem to have an advantage year in, year out, particularly at the statewide level. Um, and they gained a seat. Uh, because of population growth, uh, a lot of people are moving to to Florida still. Uh, not not just retirees, but people from other states who are, you know, like don't like the idea of state income tax and so forth. Um, and, um, and also the, you know, the weather is nice. I was there this weekend for a a wedding and it it is quite spectacular. Uh, as we sit here in Washington, waiting like a tornado with gray skies. (laughs) Um, but, um, yeah, so they gained a seat and then, you know, and it's a Republican legislature and a Republican governor, Ron DeSantis. And so the, the, Basically, the Republicans kind of call the shots, and yet they still don't have a map. Let's talk about what's going on there in Florida.
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, Florida man Ron DeSantis took the unusual step of vetoing his own party's congressional map. It, and there's, there's a couple of issues that's, that have gone back and forth with this, but the big sticking point is Rep. Uh, Al Lawson's seat in, in the Tallahassee area. Ron DeSantis argues that it's unconstitutional under the Voting Rights Act. But it was actually approved by Florida State Supreme Court a couple of years back um, to give a black majority district in the northern part of the state. And DeSantis has been for months advocating to basically carve that district up into what would be you know, parts of a couple of safe Republican seats. Republicans have not been willing to go as far on that uh, as, as DeSantis has been arguing for. They, they passed uh, what was a package of two maps, one that was a little bit further on the 5th District than they were initially willing to go, but apparently it wasn't far enough for DeSantis. He's vetoed the map, and they're going to be coming back next month to try and draw a, another map that would pass muster. And it's going to be interesting to watch because now Florida's, you know, the, the big unanswered question in redistricting is how is Florida going to come down? because it's not just Al Lawson's district that's a big deal here. Um, Stephanie Murphy, who's retiring, and Val Demings, uh, who is taking on Marco Rubio in the Senate, their districts could also change substantially. Um, all, all, but, all
0: Democrats, we should note, Lawson's, yeah, Murphy, yeah. and um, Val Demings. Sorry. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> sorry about that. I, I, I dive into this. and, and uh, <laughs> But, but th- those two seats, partially because of the massive uh, amount of population growth in the Orlando area, could change substantially. And depending on how it gets drawn... They could be competitive seats, Democratic-leaning seats, or they could get carved up into you know, some of the more Republican areas outside of Orlando and be either safe Republican seats or like leaning Republican seats, depending on how the lines actually get drawn. So there's a lot of seats that are sort of still up in the air.
0: And maybe the next step we'll, we'll see, depending on how things go in Florida, is – uh, a time honored tradition in redistricting cases, which is a lawsuit uh, where somebody challenges <laughs> a, a map that that's come out. And we're already seeing we've already seen this a, a few times come come around. Let's talk about some of the more prominent states that are whose maps are still subject to
1: litigation. Well, funny, you mentioned that. Uh, Maryland, <laughs> actually, in the last couple of days, uh, has has sort of rocketed into a very high gear in redistricting. On Friday, a state court, ruled that the initial map that was drawn, oh, the, the state control is split. Uh, Republican governor, Democratic held legislature. They actually overrode his veto to put in a 7-1 map that actually made the one seat, Andy Harris's seat on the Eastern Shore of Maryland, actually a toss-up seat rather than Republican leaning seat and the judge said, no, go. That's 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 too much. Uh, and in the last couple of days, the legislature has come back and drawn a new map that they've sent to the governor. Uh, and between the recording and the actual publication of this podcast, there might be more developments in this case, because the AG there in Maryland has filed an appeal, and there's going to be a hearing on Friday about this new map. And Again, we don't know. It's still up in the air what's going to happen in Maryland. And then there's still uh, outstanding litigation in a bunch of states, most of which is either state litigation over, you know, the partisan balance of the map. There's still an active case in New Mexico that's kind of stalled over that. But there's big voting rights act cases at the federal level in Texas, in Alabama, in a couple of other states, alleging that either they didn't draw enough new districts that were minority-majority or minority-opportunity districts, or the districts that they drew diluted the power of minority voters in a lot of congressional races.
0: And what we've seen at the Supreme Court level is that in general, not across the board necessarily, but in general, the justices have been loath as a body, some of the justices feel differently than others. But like you know, you you need five votes uh, at the Supreme Court. That they have basically let the states kind of do their own thing uh when, when it comes to drawing maps so we saw this with like alabama you know like that the their a state court had you know said like hey you've diluted minority v- voting too much and mm-hmm. the, the state appealed to the supreme court and the supreme court said like yeah i think the state got it right this time you know we'll, we're just going to let that uh, you know happen so it, it seems like the the supreme court is kind of a little little more hands off uh, on these things when, by the time it gets there. So if you're going there you can kind of lean towards what the legislature or the commission is is gonna do.
1: Yeah yeah I, and, and this is a really big inside baseball issue for uh, a lot of people who watch the Supreme Court that the, a lot of this is happening in, in, on what's called the shadow docket or you know cases that aren't actually like set up for argument. Um, at the Supreme Court, and at least right now, the Supreme Court has taken kind of a different tack than they did in years past. Um, last redistricting cycle, they were willing to, you know, let courts order elections be delayed while litigation played out. Um, not so much here. The big ruling this year was in Alabama. Uh, you mentioned that appeal. Justices came down and said, "No, there's not enough time. Uh, you know, this is February. They got to have a primary in May. Not enough time to draw and implement a new map." Um, So what that means is a lot of federal litigation is no matter when you filed or when you're in court, it means pretty much that the state's map, whatever it is, is in place for 2022. Um, There are a couple of spots where people who watch the court have said, okay, this could be a big deal. Um, One of which was actually the Wisconsin state legislature case, Uh, the Supreme Court stepped in. At the same time that they approved the congressional map, the Supreme Court stepped in and said, "No, you did this wrong on a Voting Rights Act case." And they said you stepped over the line in drawing a new black majority district. You got to draw it again, uh, draw the whole state map again, <laughs> um, which people said was substantial because they they didn't argue that case. They they didn't you know get up and have attorneys argue either side. They just went you on an emergency basis and said no, you got to draw it again. Um, and then the other thing that people have pointed to is um, there were a couple of cases, uh, North Carolina being one, where you know there was a state court ruling that partisan redistricting violated the state constitution. And it seems like there might be four votes to take that up in full when it's not on an emergency basis. Uh, because when the Supreme Court Upheld, you know, for this election, the North Carolina uh, congressional lines. There were three justices who dissented and said that they would have uh, granted the stay. And then a fourth, Justice Kavanaugh, said he sided with the uh, majority for keeping it in place for the fall, but said, well, we might want to take this issue up later down the road. And it only takes four justices to take up a case. So, yeah, we might have another partisan gerrymandering case at the Supreme Court in uh, a couple of months or, or next year.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, the, this is the thing that sort of fascinates me about this is that, you know, the redistricting, so much of it is about, that you know, what takes place. Uh, between you know the, the the zero year and the two year, you know in in these in these terms, of twenty ten to twenty twelve or twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty two. But in a, in a few of uh, instances here, we may get a map in twenty twenty two that will be different than a map <laughs> in twenty twenty four. This happened in Pennsylvania late in the in the last decade. The 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 state supreme court redrew. Uh, the the congressional map in 2018 that helped Democrats uh, in, in when they retook the House in, in 2018, uh, and then sometimes states just decide to re redistrict uh, like <laughs> Texas did in 2004, uh, where where they decided like I remember this taking place Tom Delay who was the uh, the House Majority Leader at the time and. In, in United States House and he was from Texas and he, he really was on a quest to get rid of what we a lot of us referred to as the the W D forties, White Democrats over forty. Uh, <laughs> and and they did. They, they basically like re-redistricted the state uh, mid cycle and kind of disadvantaged all these uh, members, these, these white democrats who were over forty, like Max Sandlin and Charlie Stenholm, and they were they were gone. And so it we you may you may have to dip your toe back into redistricting even even after the 2022 elections, Mike. Uh, so, uh, I, I... <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I, it, it's it's almost guaranteed to continue all decade at this point. Um, we pretty much know that North Carolina is probably going to try and redistrict again after 2022 elections just because the way the state law works, that the, the court mandated map is only in place for this election. And then a lot of the Voting Rights Act cases – they did not pursue an emergency order. They didn't pursue you know, a preliminary injunction to order a new map for 2022. They have pursued full-on trials to try and build a record, partially because of the way the Supreme Court has ruled in these VRA cases. They're not not afraid, but very cautious about when they go up to the Supreme Court, they want to have a very good record of the case so that they can make their best argument possible for the districts that they want. And they don't want to go up uh, kind of half cocked and get, you know, five or six conservative justices to kind of smack them down. And then also having a precedent that they, they would have to live with.
0: Well, Mike, I really appreciate you covering uh, what is amounts to a moving target for a few <laughs> years, starting with the census in the middle of a pandemic, uh, yeah. and then in, in its effects here. So, and I look forward to finding out what happens in Maryland and in, in, in nearby Maryland because it's, uh, it, as you said, it's just the you know we're in the middle of it. But I really I I appreciate you covering this and and walking us through it, because to me, you you talk about baseball inside baseball. It's baseball season. So uh, (laughs) uh, I I, I love this stuff and I I appreciate you uh, talking about it.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having me on.